Definitely a deep sigh of relief and a smile. Oh! Oh! oh Becky Lynch! Becky Lynch from behind, tacking Charlotte Flair! When I get my way, come hell in a cell, I'm taking my title back. You bitch. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting, and we are joined by a very special guest tonight. Have you named it yet, Wei? Oh, um, uh, I, I don't know. Do you have a suggestion? Well, I mean, this is, this is something that is going to be with you for, hopefully, a lifetime. Um, it's yeah. a very big, big commitment that you have just uh, committed to, and thus... To share with the entire post wrestling world, I think that a name would be appropriate. Um, I don't know. I got nothing right now. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's a newborn, so you have time. You, there's no clock ticking. Mm-hmm. But Way has a new computer. Oh, oh boy. Yes, yes, yes. After has uh... it settled in? Have you gotten to know one another yet? Are you comfortable together? Um, yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I used it uh, uh, for taking some notes on for SmackDown. <laughs> did you yeah. watch SmackDown physically on the computer? I mean, did you just fully uh, break in this computer by watching wrestling on it? Tonight? No, that I did not. Uh, I look forward to doing that in a future week. I, I actually uh, watch this in front of a TV. Um, but uh, yeah, I've really kind of yet to test this thing to its limits. Um, but I've, I've got like 32 gigs of RAM. I mean, I can really, uh, uh, just probably have like 10 shows going on at once. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, baby steps. Uh, we'll, we'll take until okay. we can get multiple shows going on all at once on Way's computer. We'll do 10 podcasts at one time. We could try. Maybe, yeah. maybe that'll be, uh, our next stretch goal. How are you doing today? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. I felt really, um, Afterwards, last night, I, I never asked you how how your weekend was. I didn't do any kind of checkup on you. Is everything good? Oh, thank you. You didn't have to. I wasn't expecting it. Um, my weekend was good. It was really relaxing. I ended up, um, I think I watched uh, a number of uh, uh, terrace houses. I ended up watching uh, a bunch of uh, that Ali G. Sorry. What's that? Who is America? The new- oh, man. Can we talk about that show for oh, yeah. two hours? Yeah. Sure. I've watched the first three episodes, and... I have to really be in the right mindset because it is such a depressing I don't even know if that's the right word to use, but it is frightening to watch this show. Completely. Yeah, knowing that many of the people that 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 I think are pranked on this show are uh people in, in high positions of power. Absolutely. Yes. In all different kinds of uh positions. I yep. mean you have the uh, the girl from The Bachelor who I mean on the one hand you look at here's someone that is just completely in over her head but at the same time 
didn't really show any reservations about completely misleading people uh, about this this fake charity that she's just lying about being a part of and going uh, wherever it was that she had to go to, a Kuala Lumpur or some, somewhere. Like, completely just lying. So my sympathy factor went out the window instantaneously. Well, yeah, I mean, I think... Mm. I think in in media uh, often it's just uh you're you're just kind of many people are just hosts that are told to just read off of a thing without fully knowing what they're exactly it is that they're reading because they probably have so many things to do at one time again that's that's not an excuse of course but I think it's it 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 really a show like this kind of points out you know with that sketch how uh uh, how much bullshit I think goes on in, in, in the delivery of, of some messages, but it, it's not just, you know, that it's also, I mean, what I do appreciate is that it, 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 it tends to poke fun, not, not just of course at, uh, you know, many of the, um, I don't know, political figures out there, but also many of the people, uh, either liberal or, or Republican, you know, uh, in the world that, that are crazy for whatever uh, reasons, um, in their own way. Like, <laughs> did you get to that episode yet where, <laughs> there's an ex-con <laughs> who comes out of prison uh and he has a meeting with like an art gallery uh, yes. director and he reveals that his medium that he's used uh and and refined in prison is Uh-oh. feces uh blood semen and he presents this all to this like art curator who just like <laughs> uh has she to- is nuts she's herself. crazy she's fucking crazy like uh, the the whole bit is supposed to be the crazy is from Sasha Baron Cohen's from his character and that the comedy is that you have the crazy but in this interview he draws out like I don't know if he scouted this person but what he sat in with was a woman who was just completely on board with everything he said to a degree that I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a phenomenal actor that he can pull off these characters and these interviews, I guarantee you, the gold that you get out of these interviews have to be 45 minutes deep into these interviews where he gets them into a, a state of comfort that they will just allow allow themselves to say anything on camera. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I'd love to know at some, some point maybe some of his tactics behind the scenes because uh, these, especially those waivers, I imagine them to be incredibly, oh. incredibly tight. The fact that even high high ranking politicians, knowing that this show is about to come out, can't really do anything about it. Well, uh, the Sarah Palin one, because they had the the season finale, I guess, on this weekend, and they did not air this Sarah Palin one because she has been very, very vocal about being misled. And I guess it's been enough that they were too scared to air the Sarah Palin interview. Wow, amazing! Yeah, so uh, highly recommended for people who haven't watched it yet. It's it's insane. Uh, I've learned that if you are a politician, there is not an interview you will not accept. They are they are so happy to get in front of any camera and say anything. I mean, these people. I, I I do wonder because like uh, I I can't imagine guys like Dick Cheney doing a whole ton of interviews <laughs> and and the fact that he did grant an interview to this guy huh, for whatever. Can you sign reason. my waterboard. <laughs> like it's just it's unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. dude. This was one of the most powerful people in the world I know. during the Bush presidency, and he's signing waterboards on camera. Yeah, quite incredible. It's insane, this show. All right, well, let's get into uh, what is coming up uh, this week. We have a very, very busy week. We are going to be hitting the road this week, going down to Chicago for All In. 
Uh, but before that, we've got Up Next coming out on Thursday with Braden and Davey. Uh, they will be joining us on our trip down to Chicago. Friday, if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, we are going to be dropping a new edition of Rewind Away, where we are going back to New Japan's first trip to Long Beach, California in July of 2017, reviewing the second night of their Long Beach shows, which featured the crowning of the first IWGP United States champion, plus Billy Gunn. Oh, yeah. The New Japan veteran, Billy Gunn. Uh, I, I look forward to watching that match because I don't actually think I've seen that second night or at least uh, not the full card yet. So uh, Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn, I think, should be a big one. And then as we head into the weekend, uh, we are going to have lots of coverage. Uh, we'll be following the four of us as we are down in Chicago and then big review of All In coming Saturday night uh, after after the big show. And yeah. Way, you and I will be in a car together for a, a long amount of time over the next week together. That is correct. Yes. Uh, in addition to that, of course, uh, yeah, our all in review will be free and up uh, on the site on this feed on uh, Saturday with the four of us. Eggshells will also be dropping a new episode on Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning. Typically. Uh, I also want to give a quick plug to Damien Abraham, whose uh, punk podcast turn out a punk currently has Sami Zayn in an interview talking all about his musical interests and his history with uh, not just ska, but uh, many different forms of music. And I'll actually be joining him, uh, Damien uh, on his footnotes episode, which typically are, are sort of like, um, you know, discussions about the interviews that come out afterwards. I'll be on that show with him on the Turned Out a Punk feed this coming weekend. I think you deserve your own episode. Oh, God. Yes. Well, I don't need to be on anyone's <laughs> footnotes. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know about that. I don't really have so much of a history with punk at all. So I look forward to the Sami Zayn interview and talking about it. All right. Well, go check that out. Uh, Damien Abraham, our good pal with Sami Zayn. Anything else we should mention? Oh, StarCast, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. If you are there, uh, we are going to be doing a show uh, at the Podcast Movement pop-up booth which is in the lobby so if you are going to starcast uh whether you have tickets or not you can come check out our show we will be the first thing you see there uh you'll see a giant sticker that way will hold up for the entire time come you can ask a question it's a live edition of ask away and hey you get to uh come by and say hello so we hope to see many of you out there this saturday morning in chicago 100 percent and one last thing, we want to thank, uh, of course, uh, the people at What Culture Wrestling for uh, coming out with their top wrestling podcast right now list and naming this show not number 10, not number 9, not even number 8, number 7, no, number 1. We're number oh 1, John. God. We're the best. I, I couldn't believe it. We but... are the best. We're the... All... Should we just retire? Should we just uh, call it a day? I think so. I think so. We can't go higher. But as a wise man once said, a pat on the back is just a couple inches away from a kick in the ass. So there you go. Yeah. Let us get into the news of the day up at postwrestling.com. Not a crazy day, uh, news-wise. The Jason Sensation story, there isn't much more. If you want to have the details, we went over it Monday night. He did issue an apology on Tuesday noting that he was detained by police, forced to stay in the hospital after sending out, quote, that awful, thoughtless tweet last night. I honestly wasn't thinking straight. I'm sincerely sorry and apologize to everyone and anyone 
uh, this affected, especially my loved ones. So uh, I guess mainly uh, just, you know, speaking to some people that uh, know Jason Sensation a lot better, uh, it seems like someone that does go through a lot of uh, a lot of issues, which I think was very clear on Monday. And like you said, Wade, hopefully he gets help from this. And it was just a really a scary situation that could have been much worse. And hopefully he gets that help. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's much more uh, to add on it beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, some other news, uh, Raw's viewership was, uh, down a little bit, nothing uh, too crazy, but now they will start to go through a uh, football season, which, uh, there's a big college football game actually next Monday. And then Monday night football will begin after that. So we'll be curious to see where, uh, Raw's viewership, uh, ends up over the next couple of months. MLW has announced that they're going to be doing an event, WrestleMania week in New York. Uh, and it's going to take place Thursday, April the 4th. What's interesting is that they are not promoting it as Wale mania. They have stated it's going to feature several different things, including uh, a television taping for their fusion program that airs on BN sports. And I feel that uh, the rest of this event is still being planned out on their end of what it's all going to entail. Um, but notable, the fact that they are not promoting this as Wally Mania, which would uh, suggest he may not be involved with this next year. It, it is interesting seeing, you know, obviously, I think knowing Court very well and seeing how this whole MLW thing really evolved from uh, what was uh, a podcast network into, you know, a, a co-promoted concert with the podcast component now into what I mean, MLW now is a full fledged wrestling promotion again. So. Uh, it's interesting to see how they kind of turn that whole thing into uh, something new, it seems. Yeah, I'll be interested to see kind of what the end product is. If you remember back to last year's Wale Mania, that they were teasing Wale doing a wrestling match at the following year's show. So it looks like that is probably out the window. But I think that, you know, even if you remove Wale from it, it seems like they have been able to find something unique for themselves on WrestleMania week that is not competing with everything else. Like it's the ones we've gone to way like it's they always pack the place and Mm -hmm. it is something completely different. And I understand you you now are running a wrestling promotion and you want to introduce that. But I think having that big party atmosphere, it's appealing to a lot of people. Certainly, yeah. It really kind of has become the unofficial pre-party for WrestleMania weekend. And uh, I I mean, I, I do wonder how the WWE might react, you know, knowing that now a, a wrestling promoter might be having their unofficial pre-party and how much of WWE talent might be allowed to, to, to or told not to not to take part in it. We'll see. Who knows? I think next year's WrestleMania week is going to be the most lucrative ever for non WWE events. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's going to be the most competitive because everybody I think sees all of this available revenue that's to be had. If you have the right product, that's going to find the most people that you're going to have so many people um, capitalizing and you're in such a major part of the country, huge media market that next year, you know, people are going to follow in the footsteps of seeing this sold out Madison Square Garden show and everyone's going to be going after a piece of the pie. And it's been showing that the non WWE audience is a very, very uh, non hesitant one to spend money especially, when it comes to the right the right show. Yeah, 100 percent, especially now. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably have a bigger discussion about all this when we talk about the latest edition of being the elite. 
on the mm-hmm. double shot coming out later. But I mean, the movement right now feels very much like it's uh, the the wrestling audience wanting to support alternatives in order to give them power, so that uh, you know the wrestling fans have something or, or can take away from this monopoly that that the WWE has had for such a long time. I was chatting to somebody today about this. What do you think next year's SummerSlam week is going to look like in Toronto when it comes to non-WWE and a presence? Because SummerSlam hasn't really become that. I mean, this year we had, you know, Joey Janela's show with the, like, Game Changer in New York. But it's it's hardly uh, a comparable to WrestleMania week. Do you see that changing at all? or do, Because there's a lot in the Toronto area of local promotions Mm-hmm. I'm curious if a game changer would come up to Toronto and run it. Will Impact try and piggyback off of all of these wrestling fans here that week? I think it's going to be – I think all the locals are probably going to try and run shows like your Smashes, your Destinies, uh, those kinds of promotions. Cer- certainly. I expect all the locals to – I mean, to be, I, I expect the SummerSlam to be really good for all the local uh, uh, wrestling promotions that are out there. Uh, I could certainly see Impact doing something. Uh, I could see us doing something, to be honest. We haven't even – talked about what yet but uh i i I, we are not running a wrestling show no we're not doing john and i will wrestle each other maybe at the uh, whatever podcast that we do but no um i think i i I don't know if i see you know the likes of like a ring of honor or or necessarily any other kind of big bigger promotion coming into town to piggyback off of SummerSlam because i mean wrestlemania has the benefit of filling a stadium right you're bringing in a lot of people from out of town um I'm not so sure SummerSlam has that same appeal, but I mean, with wrestling being as hot as it is right now, I mean, any nothing would really surprise me. The last thing uh, we didn't talk about this was the angle they did on Impact last week. Have you had a chance to see this, the hit and run segment that oh, oh yeah. was discussed? And did you have any strong thoughts either way on it? Uh, <laughs> I, I, certainly... I was turned off by it watching oh. it on Thursday night, and I, I didn't like it. But I, I have to say that I thought there was going to be a lot more, at least, discussion about it. And I was somewhat surprised that it kind of just flew under the radar for most people. And I think that's maybe mm. an indication that a lot of Impact viewers, maybe they'll watch the pay-per-view. They're not watching a whole lot of the week-to-week product. And, I mean, this segment was up there on you. This was not a hard segment to find, even if you don't watch the episode. Oh, I, I found it off of Twitter. So, I, I mean, I my reaction to it was just like... Uh, you know, laughter and and I think a, a bit of a a bit of amusement. I mean, I feel like it's one of those segments that was done to design designed to 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 shock you to get people talking, much in the same way as you know the ridiculousness of a final final deletion was probably intended to do. Uh, it when I this watched one felt it so blatant. Though. Sorry to interrupt, but this one just felt like that's the only reason we're doing this. It's yeah. as though they thought well we could do a hit and run, and then someone said well let's do it with a kid. Well, what kid? We don't have any kids on the show. Well, we'll just find a kid. It'll be it'll be way more shocking to hit a yeah. kid. It and was, it just felt like that is like I'm okay with with shock value, but if that's all the intent is to do, I just find it it really just rings hollow. Well, yeah, especially since I think all the all the great press coming from that Impact uh, Slammiversary show had really nothing to do with shock value. It, it it they garnered great buzz because of a solid wrestling show with pretty well told uh, storylines uh, and and good matches. And I feel like something like this didn't really fit 
I think with the current narrative of, of, of impact wrestling. So I wasn't a big fan of it. I think the fact that it was shot in front of, in front of the, the rebel nightclub, uh, where the place I used to go to for, to watch concerts made it all the more, uh, hilarious to me and weird to me seeing Conan have his, uh, celebration sitting Who are out. all these people in Toronto that are friends yeah. of theirs. We're all these gangs. Um, it like like we're we're all these like I guess Latin gangs uh, that are hanging out in, on Cherry Beach in Toronto. Um, anyway, it, it was it, it was an attempt. Uh, I think a failure, though, in my opinion. Well, those are just some of the news and notes. Uh, you can catch all of them up at postwrestling.com. And we're gonna stick in our neck of the woods in Toronto because the WWE was here for their second consecutive night at the Scotiabank Arena. In Toronto, Ontario. We started off the show with the New Day coming out for their tag title celebration, accompanied by the Stanley Cup. Uh, uh, a replica, we should uh, specify. Not the actual one, though they probably could have worked something out with the Hockey Hall of Fame to maybe the New Day could have the actual legitimate Stanley Cup. Well, the one in the Hall of Fame is a replica, is it not? Is that not where they store the actual one? But the it actual the actual one is probably with the team right now, isn't it? Um, the over the summer, yeah, they just swap it to each player. So, yeah, yeah you're probably right. It's probably like the uh, the WWE Championship. You have your, you have your TV Stanley Cup, and then you have the uh, the official Stanley Cup. And this thing this thing was even just like a quarter of the size. So, yeah. What's your favorite sports trophy? Honestly, it has to be the Stanley Cup. Really does. Come on, like the 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 World Series trophy sucks. Uh, I think the the NFL one kind of sucks too. Even the World the, wor- Cup. the World Cup, I I kind of yeah. like that one. But come on, the Stanley Cup really is the, the best. Stanley one. Cup looks the best. Yeah. It looks like something that it requires, you know, significant strength just to lift that thing up. Does and it the history behind it? Does does it still have everybody's name on it on the cup? Uh I mean that's, I think so, but. You would think that they can't fit every name going back. Now, I mean, they just celebrated their their hundred years. Yeah, it's impossible. So, that's a lot of names. I imagine they must like shuffle out like tears. But man, it's the it's the fact that that it even has that history. You know, the idea that if you that, win that's the, the best cup, part. Of yeah, course. yeah. You you just think of who's held this, and it's it's got that entire connection to all of its history. Um, yeah, yeah. I would put the Stanley Cup right at the top. So they come out. This was reminiscent way of an angle back uh, years ago when WWE did Raw and SmackDown again back to back in the same arena when Edge had the Stanley Cup replica of the the King of the Ring trophy. I, Do you remember I, that? I was there. I was at I that was show. there as well. Yeah. And this was Christian's big turn in Toronto, dumping that Stanley Cup onto Edge's ribs, and I yeah. thought it was just. What a great turn in Toronto with this damn Stanley Cup uh, King of the Ring trophy that they had made for the two Canadians. Good time. So the New Day came out. There was no attacking anyone with this Stanley Cup. Corey Graves even mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs drought since 1967. And then they're tossing well, out Graves must be must be quite the Toronto sports fan. This guy worked overtime on his Toronto history on this show. Yeah. And, and Raw. Xavier Woods mentioned... That he's off to a huge convention this weekend, Way. He's going to Dragon Con in Atlanta. What, do you know what that is? Um, it's a gaming uh, convention in Atlanta. Oh, okay. He's all out. Kofi said that 
they had the Bludgeon Brothers out like a light, as he quoted Drake, and made sure that all the audience understood. And then Big E puts over celebrating here in the six, and they got to be not one time, not two time, three time, or four time, but, and with that, King Booker interrupts them, complete with cape, crown, and scepter. King Booker comes out, the ruler of the SmackDown world. Xavier Woods starts speaking Shakespearean to him. All three men bow down in Booker's presence, and he has a royal decree to make. He grants Lord Xavier the Wise, Sir Kofi the Brave, and you there, Big E. (laughs) And he goes to add them to the royal club, and Big E interrupts. Pardon, pardon me, my leash. This was just so funny. He asks what his royal name is. He wants one. And Booker explains, you already have one. You have big in your name. And he tells Booker that he just went full Saxton on him. And Booker is just disgusted at this accusation before welcoming them to the Five Timers Championship Club. And Booker's music plays. They clear the ring. He does a spin Xavier does a hell of a spin Kofi, mm. and then Biggie didn't even try. He just rolled around on his back with Xavier and Kofi helping him around. I I was really entertained by this opening. I was too. Let me just say, sometimes I, I, I wonder what the appeal is of people listening to our shows who have already seen the shows when for much of what we do is is, is simply recapping what, what I think uh, people have already seen. But listening to you recap this segment, John, I completely understand why, what the appeal is of, of you recapping everything here. Because it's, it's a brand new experience hearing you <laughs> read, read some re, of this. Were you impressed here? Dragon Con. <laughs> I got the Drake reference. I got all the, oh, the liege, God. the Sir Kofi the Brave. It I'm was, not screwing around here, folks. That's why we are the number one uh, wrestling podcast, isn't it? Um. Uh, I can also, just to counter my own endorsement of this segment, I can also see somebody that had no idea that this guy on the kickoff panel is playing this King character and what any of this was going on. Well, come on. You're very much playing to an audience that would understand all of this. Of of course you are, but you could say that about anything. Like, you could say, like, why are the New Day coming out with pancakes? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think... This is a twelve-year-old character that Booker was playing. Yeah, but I think the WWE doesn't doesn't reference its history enough, and I think it caters too much to its new audiences. When I think uh, a vast majority of the people that at least were watching tonight all knew who exactly this person was. So I, I'm very much like you. I was very entertained by this. It seemed like it 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 didn't really have any real reason being there other than the fact that the new new day are five time champions we have booker on staff let's bring him out here to do this ridiculous thing and it ended up being a really fun uh segment because both characters tones between the new day and king booker booker um are, are both ridiculous and they and they fit completely well together so uh really nice i i would love to see king booker more with the new day yeah this i mean Everyone was great in this segment. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And then they set up the New Day's uh, announce desk on the floor, uh, their custom announcer's desk. And then they promote tonight's triple header, our triple header way, which consists of Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella are here live. AJ Styles is here live. 
and we've got Charlotte Flair versus Carmella. What a triple header. People will be here, and we have a match. So three matches, basically? This would be like saying, hey, you want to go see the double header at the, at the Rogers Center today? Oh, yeah, who's playing? Well, Joe Carter's doing an autograph session, and then the Jays are going to play the Tigers afterwards. That's not exactly a doubleheader. It's totally different things. I mean, isn't this whole show then like a, a, a sextuple header? Every week. I, I don't know what you could promote Raw as. I mean, you pump out eight, nine matches every week on Raw. Yeah. So anyway, very. Uh, that's our hook for tonight, folks. See people. Our first match was a triple threat. The Bar versus Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And this new team that was debuting, uh, they went by the Colognes. Yeah. You familiar with these, these two? I, I didn't recognize First them. time seeing them. So what they're doing are a pair of triple threat matches. Then the winners will face off. And then those winners will go on to face the New Day. Did they not just do this exact same thing that led to the New Day getting their title match? Yes, they did. Yeah. Were those triple threats? They were not triple threats. They were, they were two matches that broke up into uh, uh, finals. Yeah, I semifinals. Feel like these triple threat things for another tag title match not all that long ago. You could be right. They mentioned that Up, Up, Down, Down has now been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records for most YouTube subscribers for a celebrity-run video game channel. That's some uh, clever accounting. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed uh, that the Guinness World Book of Records has the time to pay. I mean, to talk about, like, have, have those categories always been this niche? Like... What what it says by qualifying it as celebrity run means there are non-celebrities that have higher subscribers, which by default should make them celebrities, in my opinion. But I guess they're not. I don't know what qualifies you as a celebrity. Maybe it's a, a special card you get. It's that plus the fact that it's we're only talking talking about video game channel. So That's it's right. It's celebrity not even, run video game channel. Like I'm sure somewhere out there, like anybody can have a have a record. That's like WWE speak almost. Uh, Epico is in he shoved Anderson off the turnbuckle to the floor they go through a break Cesaro and Gallows get tagged in and Gallows is just going crazy avalanche head kick big boot to Primo and then a pump handle slam and then his tribute to bad luck Fale with a mid-ring splash Epico then came off the top into a kick from Gallows Sheamus breaks up the cover Anderson and Gallows are double teaming getting the crowd going they go for a magic killer which was stopped with a backstabber and then Primo and Epico hit a double backstabber to Gallows, which is very hard to deliver. So how it ends up is that one knee from each guy hits Gallows in the back and the other knee doesn't. So I think one of them could just say, hey, you got this. You use your two knees. Yeah, I don't think it really uh, helped uh, at all. Um. Some of these these spots to the knees, like that Uranagi onto Xavier's knees on the floor. Maybe they just got to recalculate some of the uh, the risk taken here and how effective these moves are. So with the double backstabber, Luke Gallows is paralyzed. So the bar takes out the colognes and Cesaro sneaks in and gets the pin on Gallows. They win. Then they got into the New Day's face at the desk. I felt this match was just okay. 
Uh, I think given the participants, I, I maybe it was a little bit disappointed. I almost feel like if I saw the bar in Primo and Epico, I feel like that match might have ended up a little bit better than this. Uh, as it as it existed, I thought it was it was just fine. The new day on commentary this time around, it wasn't nearly as chaotic. It seemed like they were given cues about when they were on air this time. They uh, seemed almost throwing a few times uh, when they were like, "Okay, go." And yeah. then they, they they weren't just doing the commentary through like the last time because they probably went back and watched and realized that ninety percent of their commentary was muted. Yeah, it was sort of a, a bit of a mess. But uh, this time, not as chaotic, but I would also say maybe not as memorable or or perhaps as, as free-flowing as the last time. Paige was in her office, and Rusev, Lana, and Aiden English walked in. And she said she was told by someone they deserved to be in the tag tournament. I don't know why. And they are going to face the Usos and Sanity in a triple threat match next week, and the winners will face the bar. And Rusev goes, Wow. And he thinks Lana has set all this up, but she says no. It was Aiden's idea, and they all celebrate together this match that they have secured together. Uh, after weeks and weeks of losses, uh, Rusev and Aiden are now going for the tag titles next week in this in our second triple threat match. Sure, why not? This, that's that's pretty. I mean, if Primo and Epico got it shot, like, of course they deserve it. The bar was very low. Well, they won though. That's true. Jeff Hardy comes out. He says how Randy Orton has this strange obsession with him. Quote, My pain is his pleasure. My agony is his awakening. He has gotten inside my head, messed with my mind. He's altered the chemistry in my brain, eradicating all rational thought. He made me believe I could fly. And that took us back to last week where Jeff Hardy flew off of the equipment box and put Randy Orton through a table. Thank you again for uh, taking such detailed notes. He's altered the chemistry in my brain. Hardy says he's not a stepping stone in Randy Orton's career. I don't know how much higher Randy Orton is propelling himself in his career at this stage, 16 years deep. He felt alive last week. He felt like the Jeff Hardy of old. He felt reborn and rebroken by fate. He was actually rebroken by a swanton onto the edge of the apron. And then he calls out Randy. Orton comes out. He says that Hardy is back on top and knows who he truly is now. He's not finished working on Hardy yet. This version of Jeff Hardy is the identity he will take away. I had no idea what he was talking about here. I was just lost. Okay, remember when Orton came out last month, he said that his goal was to take away the fans' favorites and their favorite wrestlers, starting with Jeff Hardy. So what he meant here, I believe, was that he wasn't complete taking... I mean, he kind of did a bad job, Orton, because I think he's made Jeff Hardy more likable in this whole thing. So I think Orton's... What he's trying to say that is he wants to uh, beat him up. He says that he's going to leave Jeff in a heap of broken bones and isn't going to face him on his terms because he's not as dumb as these Canadians. But what he wants Hardy to know are the three most destructive letters in sports entertainment. R.K. No! Yells Jeff. Randy Orton, you're going to hell. And I'm coming with you inside Hell in a Cell. 
and Hardy. This was maybe uh, lost if you were watching on TV because you may not have seen it. He did the Randy Orton pose, which was maybe one of the best Jeff Hardy moments of the year. And the crowd's chanting delete, and Orton just walks to the back. And it looks like this is going to be our SmackDown Hell in a Cell match. Jeff Hardy is going to get his wish of finally having a Hell in a Cell match. Oh, I'm so happy for him. I really Congratulations. am. Congratulations. I am frightened at what this man has in store for his first Hell in a Cell match. I really hope we don't get a dive uh, for his sake. I mean, we I, ju- I hope that they would absolutely stop that from happening. We just saw one, you know, uh, not that long ago. Was it last year that we saw? Was it Owens that fell? Wait, that was two months ago in a steel cage where he was thrown off the top of the cage. He was choke slammed off of it. It was Shane last year. Oh, sorry. You're talking about the literal hell in a cell. Yeah, where where we had uh, Shane jump. Uh, he fell off the side of the cell in their match, right? And then he fell off the top. Oh, he did the elbow drop and Sami Zayn pulled Kevin Owens out of the way on the desk. Anyway, Sami's big turn. Between yes. that and the Owens thing, I feel like I I really Jeff Hardy, no, you're good, man. Like like you've given us a lot. Have fun in there. Maybe even climb and fight on the top if you want, but th- please, dude, don't don't do any the cra- no more craziness. Like and I almost feel bad saying that cuz like as a kid, I would play like SmackDown on the PlayStation and that's the match I would have. I would have Jeff Hardy climb up to the top of the Hell in a Cell doing a Swanton bomb through uh, into the, the the table um but now as an adult i i mean i think i'm happy playing that video game and, and living up my fantasies that way uh do you like this direction for the feud i really do i i mean i'm digging the storyline as i think ridiculous as these jeff hardy promos sound i think they really work for jeff hardy he is the only guy who can really kind of pull off whatever dialogue he's trying to to say i thought rk no, followed by the pose. That might have been a little bit much, a little bit corny. But you know what? The Jeff Hardy character is a little bit much and a little bit corny. So I, I can almost excuse it, especially if you're going to use it for a powerful announcement of a Hell in a Cell match. So overall, I, I mean, I'm digging the storyline. Carmella was backstage and interviewed by Renee, who asked her about the buzz leaving Carmella since Charlotte won the title. She says the title brings you back that buzz. She takes credit for the Evolution pay-per-view and mentioned that Charlotte never beat her, whereas she beat Charlotte twice. She'll make it the trifecta tonight, and tomorrow, all that buzz will be that she won the title back. She called Becky and Charlotte chump change, and she, Mella, is money. Walks off, our truth enters, and asks, where did she go? And Ty Dillinger made his uh, monthly appearance on SmackDown, and Truth is looking for Carmella and says when the timing is right, the truth will set her free. Well, I'm happy Ty got on TV uh, in his home province, at least. He was on. He was also on Aftermath. I saw a bit of that. Yes, yes. He was on right before the show. Yeah. And he got to speak on Aftermath, which is more than most weeks of SmackDown. Yeah. This was the one R-Truth segment that I, I felt it kind, of, it kind of had run its course. I wasn't as amused by this one. To me, it seemed like they might might be setting up a... Obviously, they're setting up some type of continuation afterwards. Uh, Carmella's role on this show really, I think, was, you know... I kind of felt like this was kind of her swan song from the title picture. And uh, as such, you know, she will we'll talk about the match. But the promo here, I felt like this was such a big match for Carmella that she needed to give something other than her typical cocky promo, which is all she seems to be able to do. Uh, it's either the cocky promo or the sympathetic swerve into the cocky promo. 
And I felt like for an important match like this, she needed to be a bit more serious and a bit more fired up. So anyway. Yeah, I think it was very tough with this audience that if you had done anything with Car, I think this audience was ready to boo Charlotte. That if you gave Carmella any kind of seriousness or that she she's, I understand what you mean by the the serious promo for such a big match that they might have just been concerned that man they're gonna get behind Carmella in this match and we'll get into the main event uh, the audience reaction. Naomi's out followed by the Iconics. Billy Kay calls herself clairvoyant, meaning she can see into the future. And she predicted that Peyton Royce would win last week. She predicts that the Toronto Raptors will have a dismal season. Yeah. I mean, not happy with this. Yeah, it's cool. It's glad to see them change it up from the Leafs. Um, I don't think the Raptors get enough hate from our heels in the WWE. I mean, the Blue Jays are just a doormat waiting to be ridiculed. Yeah, and here yeah. and here you're going after you know two promising teams. What would you? I mean, the Leafs are, are obviously are the most beloved team in the city, but probably followed. Uh, would you say Raptors or, 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 or Jays? Oh, ra- today Raptors, absolutely. I, I would say the Raptors are right, right neck and neck with the Leafs. I yeah. mean, the Leafs are on an upswing at the moment that they have not been for quite some time. But I would say the Leafs and Raptors are one A one B in this uh, town at the moment. So, Naomi is going to have nightmares after losing again tonight. And as she's talking, this huge Raptors chant, which was almost on a delay. Like, it took them 10 seconds to all agree, let's take this promo over with a Raptors chant. And the Iconics had to scream their catchphrase over this chant, which was just taking over. This is a Raptors fan base way. Yeah, it's their building. So, Naomi took on Billy Kay. Naomi landed this kick from the turnbuckle, and she tried to send Billy Kay into Peyton Royce on the fl- on the apron. Went for an O'Connor roll, and they did the deal where she kicked out, and Naomi was draped on the middle rope. And Peyton Royce was supposed to blast her from the floor. And it appeared that Peyton Royce was late getting to the spot, and Naomi had to, like, kick Billy Kay away and then go back into position so that she could be hit by Peyton Royce. I just thought this was all over the place. And then Billy Kay pinned her in a minute 50. It could have been, but I, I think the fact that Naomi kicked her like was either great thinking on her feet, uh, literally, um, or or maybe like just a, a an awkwardly planned spot, perhaps. Um, I mean, either way, I, I felt like the match she had was... had to then go back, though, onto into the position on the ropes. She kicked, and then like... Had her head halfway stuck out, maybe like like she like she wanted to rest. I suppose it it didn't look great. I I I agree with you there. Um, I do think though. I I, I feel like I enjoyed this match more than the Royce match. I mean, uh, I have to kind of go back in my mental rolodex to think about how I thought about that match. But I feel like this one was a bit better. Mm. Brian and B- and Bree are watching their own attack on Miz and Maurice from last week. And sorry, sorry, before before we move on. So, I mean, clearly, I feel like the story is set up here for Naomi to bring in a partner against uh, the Iconics. And and who's remaining, would you say, on on SmackDown as a babyface? Mm, as a babyface. Well, Becky's a huge babyface. Oh, Asuka, I guess. Asuka, yeah. Yeah. What a, what a role. Yeah, that's probably who she grabs. I'm... 
I, I didn't think either match was good last week or this week. Um, Oscar will improve that somewhat, but man, that's a uh, yeah. There isn't there isn't a great spot for Oscar at the moment. I, I want to. I think you should turn her at this point. I, I just don't think they're going to, given the fact that they've just turned Becky. I mean, who who does Oscar feud with as a heel at the moment? Naomi. Mm. Yeah, I I, do, I don't know. Um, it just it just seems like she's in a just no man's land or no woman's land at the moment. Brian and Brie are in the back, so they're watching this attack from last week. So there's no sound. So we got like. This this cheesy scene where Bree punches Daniel's hand and he pretends it's so hurt and then she hugs him. <laughs> this was just like the goofiest scene here involving a husband and wife. You've never done this with your wife? Not on camera, no, no. In private, yeah. Yeah. You know, they really still haven't explained Bree's contract status at all. I love that they're not even trying. Yeah. They're actively promoting her stuff on Raw, on SmackDown. It's just, it's fine. I, I really don't think anyone takes this brand split with an ounce of uh, seriousness they've, until we have the Survivor Series in two weeks. Or they, in two months. They've treated it with, like, a, at least plenty of care, though, you know, typically. Uh, like, it's only the they, likes of Cena and The Undertaker that get to swap brands, but I guess we can include... And Brie. Brie Bella. The big, the big yeah, three. The big three here. I think they should just explain that the Bellas have a third twin. And uh, somehow, like <laughs> that is the best. That yeah. is the best explanation. <laughs> somehow, like Bree's been replaced on one of the shows, and Brian realizes, "Oh my god, you're not my wife." And then they realize that the kid was born from the evil twin. Oh, it's B Bella. Yeah, man, that's a great idea. They should run with that one. Yeah, next season of Total Bellas. Daniel Bryan and Bree come out, and. The announcers are promoting that the Bella Twins will take on the Riot Squad on Raw. Quote, an event you don't want to miss. This is an event. This is more than a match. Well, it's uh, probably part, part of a quadruple header next week. So do you think that, given that this match is being promoted as two versus three, do you have a potential secret sister to join the Bellas on Monday? Writes itself, really. I mean, this is a layup. Brian says that last week, The Miz was just acting. But he's a very poor actor. He couldn't even act like a tough guy last week because he hid behind Maurice. He's a coward. Bree knows that Brian doesn't need her to fight his battles, and she's had enough. She ran out last week to get her hands on Maurice, but it felt great to punch Miz in the face. And Brian adds, it was also really hot. And yeah. then he says, his wife is a butt-kicking diaper-changing, face-punching, hot mama. And Miz won't be able to hide behind Maurice. And he pauses to set up Bree's line where she says, Maurice won't be able to hide behind Miz. Yes, yes. Um, what did you, you think of this this husband-wife uh, promo <laughs> combo? Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought it was totally fine for a WWE um, family-friendly show. Yeah, this was totally fine. Uh, again, it's just it's so interesting seeing the Brie Bella reaction in the same building because Brie got cheered here. Not only did she get cheered, she this crowd like chanted for her. This crowd chanted yeah, there, her. There name was for a Brie her. chant, yes. So it's just the weirdest thing. The same crowd that booed her and her sister last night. 
it's the Brian effect. Yeah, and the Nikki. It's effect. almost like she she is playing two different characters on the show. Not totally different characters, but they're totally different roles. Like you're teasing this heel turn on Monday, and here she is. Just she's Brie Bella from from Total Bellas on on Tuesday night. When she's wearing red, she's evil. When she wears blue, she's a good person. So they make it easy for you. Yeah. They're interrupted by Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega. Vega notes that there are two legends in the ring, Brie Bella and Andrade. And she says that since coming to SmackDown, they have put Hold on a second. So so what what exactly does that mean? She likes Brie Bella. She doesn't consider herself a, a legend. I I took it as she was insulting Daniel Bryan, but in the process also insulted herself. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't think it was an insult that landed. And yeah, okay. I mean, that was what it was. There are two legends in this ring. She says since coming to SmackDown, they put Sin Cara on the shelf, taken AJ Styles to the limit, i.e. they lost, and destroyed Rusev, who they lost to last week. And now it's time for Andrade to out-wrestle Daniel Bryan. Almas spoke, and he was pretty, mu- pretty much instantly drowned out with what chance. He said he's the only star in this ring, and Bryan would like to make this match right now, but he's not the GM anymore, so he calls on Paige to make it official. And nothing happens. And then we had this moment where Daniel Bryan starts talking into the microphone. Play the music play the fucking music <laughs> and he got so angry uh, that the music didn't play on cue uh so there's this delay brian notes how embarrassing this is and it was weird because like um uh tom phillips was asking uh hugo's uh uh hugo on the <laughs> spanish desk what almas was saying does this mean they want to have a match does a loser leave toronto no 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 le- loser leaves town yeah so brian just goes on to continue talking, and then Paige's music hits. She runs out out of breath and explains that she was at the other side of the building and was wearing heels, and then asks if the audience wants the match. They all chant yes, and she makes the match. This felt almost too weird to have been scripted, but also, I don't know what it was, but... <laughs> I thought it was in this world where everyone is almost trained on cue to be robots. It actually felt like a natural moment. Like she was literally somewhere else and called upon in the ring. I have to imagine that was the intent, you know, or maybe it was done to show that Brian doesn't necessarily control Paige and can't just demand Paige uh, at his will. Although he did kind of, you know, in the end, he had Paige not only come out, but like rush from her office all the way on the other side of the arena to to this part of the uh, to the stage but i mean uh it it didn't feel like it was um like it didn't feel improvised is what i'll say like i i i don't give them that much credit that that they would page would do the panting and all that stuff unless it was pa- pa- uh planned yeah see see it's hard to tell with these announcers because if it was michael cole and there was some mistake my God, he would be like a child on a playground going insane, pointing out this this screw up because he just loves that stuff. Or or probably Vince telling him. Yes, to. yeah, better better description is Vince. Ah, where where is she? Yeah. Um. Nonetheless, I I just thought it was funny and it ma- and it made logical sense that she shouldn't be right there waiting to be 
randomly called upon. So we got Andrade Cien Almas and Daniel Bryan for the first time. Dream match to some. Yeah, this was one match Bryan had stated he really wanted to have a, a match with this guy. Early on, Almas does the Tranquilo pose on the rope and gets drop kicked to the floor. Back inside, he he set up for like this inverted gory special. And then there was this huge chop delivered by Bryan. He hits him with kicks in the corner, running drop kick. And then Almas comes back with a flying knee. Goes for a follow-up, crashes down to the floor. Uh, almost then hit that great spinning elbow that he's got. Miz and Maurice are watching backstage wearing matching shirts. And then they leave the monitor as though they have uh, come up with a plan. Brian stops him on the top, hit this double underhook suplex. And that's when Miz comes out. Almost attacks Brian from behind. Brian is able to hit a suicide dive to Miz. But then Almost comes off the corner with this tornillo to the floor and then follows with a twisted, inverted DDT off the turnbuckle for a great near fall. Hey, has Brian done a suicide dive before in his return? Since Mm. his return? One doesn't come to mind, but I would... Because I remember that being one of the... Like, obviously, in his retirement speech, he talks about how much he misses flying through the ropes and how much he'll miss flying through the ropes. And I, I feel like I specifically recall, like... Not seeing him do that upon his his return in a lot of the matches has, that he's had. So uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like. Uh, well, they will. Well, yeah, Trust but it me. seems like at least at the very least, this was a rare suicide dive from Brian. Almost then went for the moonsault, landing on Brian's feet. The yes lock is applied. Vega distracts, and then Maurice shows up, attacking Bree, and sends Bree into the post. Brian releases the hold, and then Miz attacks Brian for the DQ. The audience is very upset that the match uh, is over, and there was a big post-match beatdown with Almas working with Miz. He hit him with the hammerlock DDT. Then Maurice held Bree in the corner so Zelina Vega could hit Bree with the double knees. Miz applied the yes lock to Brian, so he had to watch as Maurice hit this DDT to Bree and ends with a skull-crushing finale to Daniel Bryan. So, very physical angle afterwards. And I enjoyed the match with Almas and Brian as well. I would love to see these guys get uh, a much longer uh, match down the road. Yeah, I thought that match was turning out really good. And I didn't mind them taking the finish away because I think you you could save that one again, like many of Brian's matches, uh, for, for something more bigger down the road. Uh, it seems like, wasn't that the fin- uh, Almas, uh, AJ pinned Almas, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he submitted him, I think. Okay. He anyway. beat him. Um, anyway, the, you know, they kept Cien and Vega looking strong by, by going 50-50 with, uh, somebody on the level of a Brian, which, uh, I, I think works. Um, the closing angle all made sense for the pay-per-view. Yeah. I really think that this, uh, the, the mixed tag championship is just thriving on SmackDown at the moment. We have all these options. They might not be too far away from doing something like that. I don't think it, it could sustain a championship, but it's sort of like a... Uh, uh, an in-between chapter between, like, singles matches for this Miz-Brian feud. I don't hate it at all. From there, Renee interviewed Charlotte about winning the title but losing her friendship. And Charlotte says, what was I supposed to do? Lie down and lose at SummerSlam? What is this, WCW? She says, Becky cannot win the big one. Which is always the precursor to that person winning the big one. She's not going to apologize for who she is, for having ambition, and busting her ass. And she won't roll over for anyone, even her former best friend. And after she beats Carmella, she will give Becky Lynch center stage. Another WCW reference. 
I thought a good sounding promo from Charlotte. Uh, you know, very much like a babyface promo, but like, um, like logic I think was was perfect here. Like nothing, nothing wrong with it. She she's in fact saying that not everybody deserves a trophy, and she won't apologize for working hard and getting to where she is. So I thought it sounded realistic. It was delivered really well. And again, like I think the Jeff Hardy feud, they're benefiting from what is a very heated feud right now. And I felt Charlotte's aggression here. Then we went to AJ Styles coming out. We recap Joe's attack from last week. And he notes the match is official for Hell in a Cell. And he admits Joe is very good with these mind games. He's brought his family into it. And Joe wasn't man enough to take the title away from him and challenges him to look at him in the face like a man. But he can't because he isn't a man. AJ adds that he makes the rules around here. And they don't have to wait until Hell in a Cell. He calls him out right now. And Joe shows up. He's backstage on the screen. And he's not coming out. But says, maybe I'm not done playing daddy yet. And he pulls out his phone. And he supposedly calls Wendy. And starts asking about Annie. And he's going to send AJ home. And then asks Wendy if they're still on for the back to school barbecue next week. And he might show up next Tuesday. And Styles is fuming. As he storms to the back. Yeah. Man, I'm getting such Claire Lynch vibes from, from all this. Uh, but I know that the, the angle is in far better hands this time around. Because, I mean, uh, I think Joe is 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 uh, a, a bit better. And I, I don't think it'll get to Claire Lynch levels at all. But I think it's just the fact that, oh man, I'm seeing AJ again in one of these like family things. Um, is he going to like ride a motorcycle next or what? Like, uh, I I thought... This was good. I feel like it wasn't as dark or as cutting as previous threats from Samoa Joe. I think it would have helped to actually hear someone on the other line instead of Joe probably talking on the phone to himself. Um, and I, my other big takeaway from this segment is that Joe likes to use one of those stick-on knobs on the back of his phone. Oh, I'm think- jerk. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of getting one of those. Oh, okay. So AJ, after the break is searching for Joe in the back. And then a security officer comes up from the side and AJ Styles nearly takes out Buck Gunderson. I know. Made Buck, it onto SmackDown. Buck Gunderson, yeah. Also, former Pillow Fight League referee. Yes. Buck Gunderson. Man, making it onto SmackDown. I can't believe how many people we know that are just now showing up on all these wrestling shows in Toronto. You've got, like, Bob Kapoor on Impact. Um, uh... Paige Megan was on last week. Now you got Buck Gunderson here. Just the whole Toronto scene. Toronto's blowing up. Braden and Davey next, I bet. Yes. Well, Davey was on TakeOver, kind of. Right. Charlotte Flair, Carmella. SmackDown women's title match. Immediately, the crowd is chanting, we want Becky, as the match begins. Carmella gets a headlock. Now they're just chanting Becky, for simplicity's sake. Charlotte climbs to the top, gets shoved down onto the barricade, and Carmella hit this really fast suicide dive. And they go to a commercial, comes back. Charlotte is hitting her with chops. High cross gets reversed. Charlotte with a two count. There was this awkward kick by Carmella into a flat liner. And then Carmella did the handspring on the ropes. Charlotte catches her, teasing the spot from SummerSlam. Uh, but this time, Carmella is lifted up and turns it into a Frankensteiner for a near fall. And this looked really good. Really did. I was quite impressed. Carmella then avoids the figure four, hits a pair of super kicks, and then 
avoids another one, and Charlotte spears her. Natural selection, figure eight, just a dominant finish here by Charlotte, and Carmella was fighting it, but then had to tap at the end. This was like a pretty strong win for Charlotte, uh, but I have to say, I thought this was one of Carmella's uh, better matches that she has had. I was, I thought they did very well, exceeded my expectations. It's hard for me to think of a, mo- a more impressive Carmella singles match, I'll say right now. So, I mean, I feel like, again, this seemed like Carmella's um, uh, taking a step out of the spotlight, and this was sort of a going-away match. And for a going-away match, they crafted a really great match for her. She was able to showcase, I think, a greater extent of what she's actually capable of. And I'll say, you know, those kind of General Maraska slaps aside, I thought she looked far better here than most of her title defenses. So after the match, you knew that Becky was going to get involved somehow. She attacks Charlotte from behind. Everyone cheers. She's kicking her, and she demands a microphone. Everyone's chanting, let's go, Becky. She lifts up the title and says when she gets her way at Hell in a Cell, she's taking her title back. You bitch. And holds it up, cheered some more. Everyone's chanting Becky. And then the closing shot is on Charlotte, who is being booed by the Toronto audience as the show ends. I think the scripting of her saying, you bitch, is incredibly telling because that is something you would specifically have a cool heel, badass cool heel say. It's not something I think a straight up heel would say. Like it's a it's a it's a line designed to get a positive reaction. So it either leads me to believe that they crafted that line knowing that she was going to be received as a baby face here anyway and that this was just a one off, or that they're actually going with the cool anti hero babyface character for Becky in this entire storyline. So I was told this after tonight that last week, based on the reaction Becky got, that they have slightly changed their direction here, where the idea now is much less of a heel babyface dynamic, and instead it's it's two ex-friends that both have valid points, neither is going to back down from the other, and still getting Becky to the same place they wanted to, but not so much wanting Charlotte to be a heel as okay. a result of this. So it seems like they did learn from last week of how everyone was into Becky. And it's, it's exactly, I think as, as you thought. Well, that's wonderful. Cause uh, I think this, this new aggressive edge from Becky is what everybody wants. Uh, but I don't think she needs to be questioning the audience's integrity, nor kind of doing anything completely that heelish. Um, you know, that, that, that wouldn't really, uh, I don't know, uh, be redeemable at a later time, uh, in order to get there. So I'm happy to hear that. I think Charlotte now though, kind of has to keep up by, you know, uh, delivering great performances. And I think finding an edge herself, because otherwise I think she would just get really lost and, uh, she's going to get booed anyway in this whole thing. But I think to avoid her from getting to turning into Roman Reigns, she has to now really impress and find something on her own. Yeah. And I think credit that they they learned from last week. And, you know, it was, to me, a a bad idea trying to turn Becky. But if, in fact, they they realized it. And tonight, you you definitely did not get the same Becky as was presented last week. I thought the same as you. Like, that was was kind of designed for, like, this, this angry Becky Lynch, but one that the audience was going to side with. And you can get behind her. Mm -hmm. So that was SmackDown. Uh, What'd you think of the show overall? 
I thought it was a good, uh, a pretty decent show. I don't think, you know, I thought the Brian Almas match was good, but not necessarily blow away and not as good as Owens versus Rollins from the night prior. Uh, main event, I think, was impressive for, Carme- for Carmella, uh, but, you know, just an oh, an above average match in the end. So mat- match quality wise, maybe not the best SmackDown at all. Um, promo wise, uh, you had some okay stuff, but, you know. The Becky post-match bit was good, but other than that, uh, I would say a slightly above-average edition of SmackDown. You? I, I like the Brian Almas match. I really enjoyed those two together. I thought it was one of Brian's uh, definitely better TV matches. I won't go so far as to say better matches, period, since he's come back. But I really, I think those two could have a really great um, extended program together um, post-Miz at some point. Um yeah, I, I enjoyed the opening segment a lot. And yeah, Carmella and Charlotte was uh, above what I expected from those two. So uh, those were the good points. Um, I wasn't as much into the Orton Hardy stuff as you were, but it sets up the Hell in a Cell match. And overall, that program has been working for me. So those are the main things. The The down would be that Naomi-Billy K match. That one was just kind of fell flat. But we go now to the forum. Scale of 0 to 10, what did Night 2 in Toronto generate from our forum? A 6.2. All right. All right. Let us start. Brandon from Oshawa. Can we almost expect something big from Jeff Hardy at Hell in a Cell? I'm really looking forward to that match. I've always felt that they've had solid chemistry together, but I really hope he doesn't do something insane. Becky has been great the last two weeks. Really solid match between Almas and Brian. I'd love to see them together on a bigger stage. You guys weren't... Really, you guys weren't really into my Kevin Owens to NXT dream yesterday. I have an even crazier one today. Kevin Owens just happens to quit the same week as All In. What if the WWE concocted some crazy plan with... uh, This is insanity here. Uh, Do you think there's even a percentage chance it happens and is something you guys would be interested in? Kevin Owens appearing at All In. Uh, 0% chance of that happening. I would say 0% chance as well. Mm. Okay, in 2018, I don't know if I could say completely 0%. Maybe I'll say a 2% chance. I can say 0% chance. Um, I don't think he's going to be gone long either. Um, I think this is just a, a quick thing. I think it would be wise of Owens to like play around with the expectation on Twitter, and I expect him to, to, to tweet something witty. Yeah, I don't believe he is overseas, though, right now for the, the shows that they're doing in England. And then they've got uh, Osaka and Shanghai coming up this weekend. So I don't believe he is on those shows. We got Andrew, Andrew from Cape Breton. Becky Lynch at this point reminds me of Steve Austin, this badass, hardworking woman who got screwed. And now she's pissed off. I also like how the fans are essentially understanding friends. Sure, they're friends may say negative things about them, but they understand their friend is going through a rough patch. One other comment, is it just me or is Toronto the easiest city to get cheap heat or cheap pop out of? It's almost too easy to get a reaction out of your fellow Torontonians, but hey, it makes for a great show. We are very uh, easily manipulated, yes. Yeah, and very protective of uh, sports teams, clearly, Uh, which is kind of what heels are built upon, that kind of fabric. Uh, let us continue here with our next piece of feedback. It is Anthony from Philadelphia. Outside of the literal beginning, middle, and end of tonight's episode, which was the New Day segment, the Daniel Bryan stuff, and Becky's run-in, I thought this was a very weak SmackDown that burned the crowd out by the end until Becky showed up. Almost and Bryan was really fun, and I didn't even think the main event was bad at all, but the crowd was totally spent. 
I think they should have swapped where those two segments happened and it would have been helping the show a lot. The other matches weren't that good at all, and I thought all the promos tonight were verbose and felt more unnatural than usual, which was the bulk of the show. So I was very overwhelmed tonight. Four barbecue plates out of ten. He was very underwhelmed, he said. Oh, what did I say? Over. Oh, underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. We got a Jalen from Pickering. I was there live again. Unfortunately, SmackDown did not keep up their big mo of being better than Raw. While the show breezed by mostly, there wasn't much actual progression and probably dragged much more for home viewers. I was super excited when Almas came out to interrupt Brian, but equally as def- deflated when I saw Carmella come out with 25 minutes left in the show. Her and Charlotte have never had good chemistry, and like the crowd, I just wanted Becky. I know we're only two weeks in, but I think it would be dumb for them to not pull a double turn with Becky and Charlotte. Let these women shine in the positions they're better in, instead of going against the green. It would also benefit the eventual Mania match of Charlotte versus Ronda if Charlotte was an established heel as opposed to a female Roman Reigns. Next up, posting from my seat during 205 Live. This is from Kid Canada. Brian and Almas was great. Crowd loved Becky. Not a lot of wrestling on the show. Bummed we didn't get anything from Rusev, Nakamura, or the Usos. The first five minutes of Kalisto and Buddy Buddy Murphy are as entertaining as anything on SmackDown tonight besides the Brian match. Taylor from Sydney. Not as good as last week's SmackDown Live, but not a bad show. New Day were fantastic with Booker. Uh, genuinely funny stuff from all four guys there. Hardy finally gets his Hell in a Cell match, and you've got to expect after all this time thinking about that match that he has to have something incredible planned for it. Brian versus Almas is definitely something that WWE should come back to. To see Almas now compared to two years ago on NXT is remarkable. I'm ready for the Joe versus AJ feud to get more physical and less about Wendy Styles now, but Joe is really showing his skills as a top pure heel on either main roster show. Despite her being miscast entirely, Becky is great as a heel. How do you think the WWE needs to book her to get the crowd booing her? Surely the solution is not her running in on a Charlotte and Mella feud that was destined to be shat on by a Toronto crowd. Well, we kind of talked about maybe what the direction is that they're going right now and whether or not they want the crowd to boo her. Yeah, I think that they're not going to be going so hard in that direction any longer. Final one is Chris from Mississauga was at the show again. The opening segment was great, but the triple threat match following it was kind of boring. Daniel Bryan and Almas was solid for what it was and makes me look forward to a full match between the two in the future. The crowd loved Becky Lynch. Even from before the show started, the crowd was cheering for her. I'm not sure if her attacking Charlotte from behind was meant to be a heel move, but it definitely got the crowd even more behind her. Stuck around for 205 Live, Buddy Murphy and Kalisto had a great match in the main event. Samoa Joe and Orton versus Styles and Jeff Hardy was the dark match. It was short but fast-paced and entertaining. There you go. Some live notes from the Scotiabank Arena on Tuesday night. All right. That is the end of the show. Thank you for listening to Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, We hope to see many of you this weekend in Chicago for All In. Where are you excited for this show on Saturday night? Very much so, yeah. We'll be probably chatting a, a lot more about it in the days ahead, but uh, starting off with the the double shot, where we'll be talking about the uh, go-home episode of Being the Elite. Yes, we are going to be reviewing that show, plus last week's Lucha Underground that featured a haunted house match and so much more. So oh, I can't wait. Look forward to Lucha Underground review returning on the double shot. If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, uh, you will be getting that show immediately. And you can go sign up, get in on all of that. We have lots of shows coming out this week. And that is it. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.